Okay, um, this is a picture of my dad, me and my dad. And uh, over Easter, I managed to um, uh, get home really briefly just for a day um, to see my family. And we all went out for lunch. And as we were sitting um, having lunch, um, my dad started telling us a few stories about uh, what life was like when he was growing up. Uh, and my dad is from quite a big family. He's got six sisters and three brothers. So he's one of ten, family of twelve, so it's, it's quite large. And um, he was telling us um, about all the different kind of things that they had to do to make sure that such a big Um, that they would have two dinner sittings um, and when the older ones kind of left home the next in line would move up to first sitting and he said it was a glorious day when he got to first sitting it's brilliant um, and he said things like they would have uh, rotors for days where they could have baths so that everyone could be uh, clean uh, he said that um, uh, they would all, would all have different jobs. Uh, so it would be someone's job each week to make sure all the school uniforms were ironed. It would be... Um, he was saying that at, at dinner time, they had to, whether they liked their food or not, they had to lick their plates so that uh, when it came to washing up, the water wouldn't get dirty so quickly because there were so many of them. Um, which I just thought was, was brilliant. Um, so practical things that were put in place to make sure that everything that needed to be done uh, was done. Uh, now, if you've got younger brothers and sisters, uh, you might appreciate the change or difference uh, that even one addition to your household might make. Uh, the things that need to be thought of or another. Uh, but at some point, most people settle for a certain size of family, don't they? Um, but if you belong to the church family, if you belong to God's family, uh, you can never settle for a certain size of family, because membership of God's church should be continually growing. And if you think about uh, our church's mission statement, it's this, uh, to glorify God, uh, build up, reach out, send out. Uh, it's all about the church of God growing and increasing. Things like Sunday AM or to slaves or to church, so they can hear the good news about Jesus. Um, and uh, they could come to know him and to love him and to be part of his family. Uh, it's why we do church plants. So the good news about Jesus can go out and the, uh, the fellowship of God can grow, of God's people can grow. Um, and that's what we've been reading in Acts um, so far from chapters 1, one to 5. Uh, it started with the 12 disciples, 12 men uh, that Jesus called. Uh, and at the point uh, where Jesus goes back to heaven after his And then in chapter 2, uh, as a result of uh, the Holy Spirit coming and Peter preaching, God's people grew by 2,600% um, 2, to 3,000 people. Uh, and, uh, the, and the book of Acts tells us that daily people were being added to their number, uh, those who were being saved, people who uh, had heard about Jesus and had come to faith. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, we read that the number of people... Um, who are following Jesus, um, plus women and children. Uh, and now that is a growing family, isn't it? And a, a growing fellowship of people who know Jesus. Uh, and this term, we're going to be looking um, at uh, two really big things. Um, as we kind of spend time looking at the gospel going out to Judea and Samaria, uh, two really big things. Uh, the gospel going out, uh, it's been um, through kind of prayer and preaching, 
uh, and the fellowship of believers growing. Uh, now we've already read, um, we've already read, we've already read um, chapter six, uh, and it starts off. If you have a little look back down at your Bibles, uh, it starts off like this: uh, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, now as we hit at six, it is still the case that the gospel was going out, uh, and the family of God was increasing. Uh, we've read previously in chapters two and chapter four uh, that everyone. Uh, all the believers shared everything that they had, and there was no needy person among them. Um, but as we continue to read in chapter 6, well, it's this. In verse 1 it says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. In those days. In what days? Well, well, days when the gospel was going out, where God's family was uh, increasing and growing rapidly as a result of powerful, spirit-inspired preaching, which has been accompanied by uh, miraculous signs. Opposition, uh, where the apostles have been imprisoned, uh, they've been brought before judges, they've been flogged for preaching the name of Jesus. Uh, it is in these exciting yet costly times in which this problem arises. It is not an issue of persecution. It is not even a theological issue, one about who Jesus is. It's a practical issue concerning food. Uh, against the backdrop of everything else uh, that is going on, it might seem kind of... ...that way if you're one of the widows who isn't getting enough food... But against this backdrop, against this bigger picture, is it really that important? Well, Luke tells us earlier that all the believers shared everything in common. In chapter 4, verse 34, uh, there were no needy persons among them. In a society where the poorest people would have been widows, who when their husbands died, uh, lost uh, that support, um, they were the poorest of the poor. believers grows, it seems that the group of the Grecian widows were being overlooked and not properly cared for. Uh, now, um, the Grecian widows, they were a group of people who, um, uh, they would have been living um, most of their life elsewhere, so not in Jerusalem, not in, in, not in Israel, but they would have been living in uh, lands that were kind of conquered and owned by the Greeks, and they would have grown up in a Greek kind of culture, speaking the Greek language. Uh, and the Hebraic Jews, uh, well, they were people who, um, who lived in Israel. They were the purest of um, and, and things on those lines and kept to their original culture. Um, so when these two parties um, both uh, become Christians and are kind of um, come together, at the start they're one. Uh, but as the, gospel, as the gospeling kind of more adds to that number and the longer, it, uh, longer they're kind of in partnership together, um, we see there's a sort of kind of a, a split, a potential split uh, between these two groups. Uh, now, if you read it the first time, you might half expect the disciples to exactly flogged, hurled before judges, and you are worried about food. Well, as we delve deeper, um, as with so many things, it's simply the visible sign of a potential deeper problem. 
Uh, and it's why the, why the apostles go on to take it seriously. And uh, it's also why we should take it seriously as well. Uh, it's like when you go to the doctor, uh, you might have an issue like a, a headache or something. Um, and that might be what you call a presenting issue. Now, it might not be anything particularly serious. Um, but it's about food. Um, but below the surface, it was a much more serious issue. It was an issue of fellowship of believers in the church, uh, within God's people, within his family. A division uh, rather than unity that we see in the earlier chapters of Acts. The apostles whose priority it is is to spread the gospel, uh, take it seriously because it is a gospel issue. And it is an issue that could hinder the gospel going out and the growth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus in the lives of the issue? Well, to put it simply, it's an issue of unity. Um, over Easter as well, as I was kind of making my way to go and go see um, family and friends, uh, I managed to get to see my sister who lives in Bournemouth. And uh, as we were sitting on the beach, uh, we were watching um, uh, a group of people who were trying to make a human pyramid. And um, it was all going quite well at the start, uh, until they started kind of complaining against one another about how it should look, how it should go, who should go where. And there were people... Unity is important if it's something that's going to stay strong. Um, I, I want to ask you this question, though. Uh, what does the gospel do? Uh, what difference does Jesus make, the fact that he died and he rose again? What difference does he make, not only to the future, but for us today? Well, Jesus, through dying and rising again, defeated sin and death. Uh, and I wonder if you remember a, a little while ago, we looked at uh, Genesis chapter 1 to 3. Um, and we looked at a separation of relationship uh, between us, uh, between us and creation, uh, between ourselves and with God. And this is why this is a gospel issue because the gospel defeats sin and the separation it brings uh, and it should no longer exist uh, between people that know Jesus uh, we are united in Christ uh, a bit later on in the Bible uh, in a, uh, chapter 2 of a book of Galatians we read that Peter, one of the apostles um, who had a Jewish background uh, he brought separation with this fellowship of people uh, that he was supposed to be united with. And seeing this, Paul rebukes him. He says to him this, you are not walking in line with the truth of the gospel. Uh, now, um, kind of a bit later on, as we kind of go through term, we'll see kind of a bit more about the links between fellowship and food. It's kind of quite an interesting thing all the way through the Bible. Um, uh, one of the big things that was kind of hurled at Jesus was the fact that um, who, we ate, who we ate food with. Um, In fellowship with them. It'd be like if, you, if any of you guys come from a Christian home, a Christian uh, background, uh, not spending any time with anyone that doesn't. It'd be along those kind of lines. Well, the gospel is going out, and we've talked about this before. The whole of the good news about Jesus has done for us. It's not simply what we're saved from, uh, but it's also what we're saved into. It isn't always just what we're saved from, from sin. But it's also what we saved into a life with God's people. It unites us to God and to each other, and not in bitterness, 
Not in complaining and grumbling, we just hold together and that's that, we're stuck with one another. Uh, but we're united in love, uh, because that's what God's like. I wonder, for us, how quickly we forget this. Uh, I, I definitely do. It's easy for us, isn't it, to limit the gospel to only part of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Uh, for the church in Jerusalem, seeds of uh, for these guys, and um, we don't know whether it's just an oversight or a deliberate um, a deliberate thing, um, whether it's something they're even aware of at all. Uh, but the fact is, is that um, it wasn't just a few it wasn't just a few people who weren't getting cared for. It was a specific group of people, and it was an issue. And uh, now, I wonder if you can picture the scene. You uh, you come into Sunday AM. And you see some of your really good friends. And you walk up to them, you start chatting. Uh, and then you see at the corner of your eye that person that... You don't even know why. It's not a deliberate thing, but you just, you just don't have anything in common with them. And it's just an effort. Or, or maybe you see that other person that you think, oh, do you know what, there's so many things that they do that just irritate me. I'm just going to stay out of their way. And we bring separation into our relationships whether we think about it or not. Uh, we do not need a large group to have this kind of problem. It's a practical one, yes, or it's brought about by a practical one, uh, but it's a problem of the heart of recognising to him, but not valuing the fact uh, that that means that we are united to one another as well. I think I often do that. I can go, yes, I'm united to Jesus, and I'm following him. And I can very quickly forget the fact that that means I'm also united to anyone in this room that knows Jesus. Right, we're going to turn it into our groups. You've really just got some questions. And we're just going to discuss this whole area of kind of unity and what that means for us. Um, and then we'll come back and carry on. discuss sort of the, the good sides of it and like, the effects of it and that kind of thing. Um, but for the gospel to be going out. So how might this issue affect that? Um, well, in verse 2, if you have a look back down at your Bibles, it reads this. Um, uh, so the twelve gathered together, uh, that's after hearing the, the issue, uh, so the, all the, they gathered together all the disciples and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Well, when you read this, it's easy to think, uh, well, the apostles, they don't really seem to care much about this. They are fit. Uh, surely they should be able to humble themselves enough to serve widows. But the apostles, you see, they've been given a specific task by the risen Lord Jesus take the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Prayer and preaching the word is a task that they have been given. Um, this issue has arisen, and it's important, but they can't do everything. And to neglect that God-given responsibility would be detrimental to the gospel going. 
how are people going to hear? Um, how are they going to know? Um, how is the gospel going to reach the ends of the earth? Uh, in the same way that it would be impossible for you guys to, to go to school and at the same time have your Saturday job uh, become a nine to five throughout the week. Uh, it would be a distraction from what you're meant to be doing. So what is the solution going to be? Uh, well, they don't want to be distracted from the task that God has given them to do. Yet at the same time, it is important for the issue to carry on living and reflecting God's character to the world and the gospel to be uh, prayerfully preached um, so that it can go out. Well, the solution is this. Uh, people who love Jesus to help, to help care for his people and in doing so, support the word going out. Let's read that proposal in verse 3. It says this, Brothers, uh, choose men among you um, who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. Uh, they don't just choose anyone. It's not an unimportant task. They choose men who are full of the spirit and wisdom. Uh, men who are walking with Jesus, who know him, who love him, and have a desire to serve him well, so that the ministry of the word can continue to go out. Uh, a number of you here help at Gig and EFK, uh, and, and different weeks, uh, different people are um, sort of set aside to be preaching the gospel, aren't they, to, to the kids and to the young people that come along. Um, but without the backup, Um, doing the washing of the cups afterwards, drying them. Um, all these things couldn't happen. And the fact that you guys come along and that you do those kind of things is brilliant, and it means that the word of God can, can go out. Uh, when you guys are, are washing your cups at the end, you're not just drying cups, you're, just, you're serving God, and you're serving his word going out. It's a brilliant thing that you're doing. Uh, and if you love Jesus, uh, why not get involved? Uh, there are loads of ways that you can serve in church to help afterwards we'd, we'd love to point you in the direction of something that you can do uh, in verse 5 it, reads, it, it says this uh, that the proposal it pleased the whole group so everyone was happy with it uh, they chose, they chose um, Stephen a man for the faith and of the Holy Spirit also Philip, Procurus uh, Nic Nicanor, Timon Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Oh, the interesting thing about this list uh, is that every name on it, it is a Greek name. Uh, people from the a demographic kind of, we'll have half on this side, half on that side, and hope it works out well. Uh, people from different backgrounds have voted for these guys. And for, we can already see a real desire for unity kind of brewing there. But as I was reading this a bit earlier on as well, I was thinking it's quite, this can be quite easy to, to misread and to misunderstand what's going on here. It's not uh, that some people, some people have the ministry of prayer and telling others about Jesus, and other people, well, they just wash up cups. They don't have to, they don't have to do anything else. They're separate. Um, one of these guys, so we're going to be looking at a guy next week called Stephen. He was set aside for table ministry. Yet, yeah, because, of, because of his um, kind of preaching about Jesus, the good news of Jesus goes out to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria. Uh, and as we read on as well, we'll get to a guy called Philip, another one of these guys from this list. 
And because of him telling someone about Jesus, um, we start to see the gospel reaching to the ends of the earth. Uh, and a little while later, and kind of the flip side of that as well, a little while later on, uh, we read that Paul, one of the apostles, who takes the gospel out, who's given this ministry of, of kind of prayer and, and word, um, well, he's responsible for collecting money for the poor. So it's not either or, um, but, but, uh, but kind of just doing the task that it is that God is put in front of you for that time. So what is the result of all this then? Well, we're almost back to the beginning, aren't we? The gospel goes out and the fellowship of believers increases. Uh, the, the gospel continues to go out and the number of disciples increases. And as we look down in verse 7, we read that even priests are coming to know Jesus. Uh, priests, these guys, they would have known their scriptures back to front. They'd have feared worse than anything else other than the true and living God. And they'd have known what Israel was supposed to look like and supposed to be in the world. And as these guys hear about Jesus and as they see the fellowship of believers, they go, yeah, that, that makes sense. And they come into God's family. Uh, I know for me, when I heard the gospel first, um, it was the lives and the relationships and the fellowship between the Christians that I met that really shook me. It was so different. Uh, everyone was accepted. Uh, everyone was included. Everyone was loved uh, and genuinely cared about. Uh, and the people that I met that day are still among some of my closest friends. It was hearing the gospel and seeing it lived out in the lives of people uh, that knew Jesus, uh, that convinced me that Jesus was real. And I'm sure that would be quite something for your friends. I'm sure that if you told them something, and then they looked at, your li- at the lives of those who love Jesus, and they saw something completely different, it just wouldn't add up, would it? The two things go together for the word of God to go out. They both, the gospel needs to be lived, prayerfully lived, and prayerfully proclaimed. And we're going to be seeing that throughout the rest of Acts. Well, we're going to turn to prayer. Because the apostles, they don't just proclaim God's word, they pray. Uh, they keep walking with Jesus. So we're going to, we've got, um, your leaders have got uh, things on the papers to pray for. But just these things. I think it would be really great this term if we could um, set aside in our kind of, our, our hearts and our minds and our kind of prayer times. A few of our friends want to be praying about, um, want to be praying to tell Jesus, um, tell them about Jesus. So we're going to be doing that every week. So the, um, so it'd be great to kind of to do that, and then the rest is, is down there. So let's turn in our groups to pray to finish.